we're finishing up our series on looking at four-letter words. And I know for you, if you grew up like a family I did, there were certain four-letter words that you were not allowed to say in your household or you would get in big trouble. And uh, I never, ever, ever in my house, ever, ever said a four-letter word. I'm just teasing. I'm sure I got in trouble for, for something. Um, but we're looking at these four-letter words that we see in the Word of God that we tend not to talk about. We talked about fear last week. We talked about the word holy. And this week, we're talking about the word lost. Everybody say that with me, lost. How many of you, particularly men have this problem, how many of you hate to admit when you're lost? Okay, you're like me. I, I hate to I mean, there's. I don't know if there's something about guys. There's this innate thing within us that just hate to admit that we're lost. How many of you actually, actually, I was actually cleaning out my car the other day and I found this strange thing within my car that I hadn't seen for about four years. You know what it was? It was a map. You guys are right. How many of you actually have a map in your car? Raise your hand. Oh my goodness. How do you drive and look at the map at the same time? That's my question. You know, so these remember the map. How many of you remember AAA with the trip ticks? Remember those? You, you, you'd flip them, and the, you know, and you'd go, and you'd still get lost. And they even, they, they'd even highlight it for you. And we would, as a family, we would somewhere in Pennsylvania, we'd be lost somewhere in the hills of Pennsylvania. We'd still get lost, right? And so this is a word we hate to admit. We hate to admit we lost. That's why I think for guys, um, we love Google now because Google Maps, I mean, it's all right there. You just don't even have to ask for directions anymore. It's all on Google Maps. I love Google. And you know what? I still have arguments with Google Maps. I still argue because I'm like, that's not the fastest way. And Kathleen's like, I don't know, Barden. If Google says this is the fastest way, you better go that way. I said, mm, I think there's a better way. I don't think Google knows what they're talking about. So then I go my way. And of course, it's always the right way. We're never lost, right? It never happens. Kathleen goes, should have listened to Google. Should have listened to Google, right? We, we, we hate to admit that we're lost. So we're going to talk about this word lost and, um, and I, you know, thinking back over this word, I always thought of, of a time that I got lost. Do you remember a time when you were lost as a kid? Where you just like, maybe you got lost in a department store. I remember I got lost in two guys. If you guys remember that department store, two guys and I was lost and I was having fun, you know, in the little circular, you know, that they hang the clothes up and I was hiding in that. My mother went down somewhere else. And so I was lost. And so then I started crying. And then three days later, my parents eventually got me. But I, I think it was because I was a bad kid that I think they purposely let me get lost because I was a bad kid. It's a terrible feeling when you know that you're lost. That That's a terrible feeling to know when you're actually lost. And you may have, that may have happened to you when you're younger or whatever, or you just get lost. And so I want to talk about this because um, in the word of God, um, there's these three parables, three stories that Jesus shares about being lost. And here's the thing I want you, everyone to see today. If you can recognize that you're lost, that's the first step in being found. I know that's not rocket science. It's not some huge philosophical, you know, 
question here, but if you can recognize that you're actually lost, that's the first step in being found. And so what Jesus does is he gives these three stories. Within these three stories, we usually kind of gravitate towards the third story because that's usually the one that we hear a lot about, the story of the prodigal son. But there's two other stories mixed within those that same chapter in the book of Luke that Jesus talks about. And these, actually, these three parables are really to be read together, not separately. And so I want us to look at this, and I believe if we can understand what it means to be lost, that's the first step in being found, because we hate to admit when we are lost. And how many of us know that Jesus came for people who were found? Is that who he came for? Did did he came for people who realize they have it all together and they think they have life all figured out? Is that who Jesus came for? Who did Jesus come for? He came for lost people. He, he came for people that don't know their way. He came for people who actually recognize that they need help. He actually came for people who say, you know what? I need directions. He actually came for people that admit, yeah, I need Google. I need someone to show me the way, right? I need someone to show me the path. I need someone to point me in the right direction on way to go. And that's who Jesus came for. Jesus came for those who actually willingly admitted that they needed help. So if you've got your Bibles or look at the screens, we're going to look at Luke 15. And I want to look at these. uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to kind of jump around in this chapter because um, there's three parables, three stories that Jesus shares about being lost. So I want to read verses one through 10. We'll kind of skip around a little bit. So if you're following along there, Luke 15, let's start with verse 1. And, and this first parable is about the lost sheep. And now Jesus, and now they kind of, Luke kind of gives us the background. He says, now the tax collectors and sinners, in quotations, were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, these were the religious elite, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were the ones that didn't think they needed Jesus. These are the ones that thought they were found. These are the ones that thought they had it all together. The tax collectors and the sinners, everybody thought they were the ones that were lost. They were the ones that didn't have it all together. Those are the ones that didn't know God. And so you have these two groups of people. They're sitting and they're listening to Jesus. And then Jesus drops these three bomb parables to really point to people's hearts who truly are found and who are truly lost. And so they're muttering to one another. He said, this man welcomes sinners. How dare he do that? Not only does Jesus welcome sinners, what does he do? He eats with them. Which, when you would eat with someone, that was kind of a sign of intimacy, of friendship. And so by doing that, it's almost like guilt by association, like you contaminated yourself by eating with these sinners. So they were looking down their noses at Jesus saying, look at what he does. He eats with these people that he shouldn't be eating with. They're sinners. We all know that. Why is he doing that? And so all of a sudden, as they're all listening and they're muttering to themselves, Jesus drops these three bombs. And so Jesus drops these stories and he wants them to hear this. So then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he does find it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Then he jumps right into the story of the lost coin or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found a lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then Jesus goes right into the parable of the lost son who takes his dad's inheritance. And by doing that, basically he's telling his dad, I wish you were dead because you waited till after the parent died to receive the inheritance, but he wanted it. Now he goes away and blows it all in loose living and everything else. And then he, he's going to go back home and just say, I'll be a slave. I'll, I'll do anything you want me. Father, just take me back. Listen to what the story says. Jump down to verse 31. After he comes home, the father sees him walking down the road. The father sees him first, greets him, welcomes him back in, has a huge party for his son. And he says this, my son, the father said, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was what? He was lost and is now found. Even though he blew everything. He has come and he's repented. He is now found. And then in Luke 19, verse 10, this is what Jesus says. Here's Jesus's whole purpose for coming to earth. He says, for the son of man came to seek and save that which was what? That which was lost. So this is what I want to jump, jump into. Luke 15 has these three stories. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. All three stories have the same theme running, same theme running through them. What was lost was of great value. It was worth seeking to find. The thing that was lost was of great concern. There was a heightened sense of urgency to find that which was lost. Everything else was dropped to find that thing that was lost. How many of you have ever lost your wallet or your purse? What was the first reaction? It was like, oh, well. No big deal. I'll find it sometime. How many of you just, when you lost, you just said, Lord, I know you're going to help me find it. Let's just pray. I have the peace of Jesus. I know it's going to be there. Jesus, help me find my purse, my wallet. Thank you. And you went about your day. No, you freaked out, didn't you? Because you got your credit cards in there, your license, you know everything. You got it. Oh, my goodness. I got to call the credit card company and uh, my license. I got to renew that. I don't know where it is, who has it, my identity theft. You know, what's going to happen to my life? My life is ruined because I lost my wallet. Right. You freak out. Don't you? And you, you, you drop everything, don't you, to try to find? Like, where was I last? Is it in the car? Did I? What? Did it? Blah blah blah. What, where did it go? What, where was the last place? And you, 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 you search frantically to find that thing that was missing. See, to be lost is not just to be confused or uninformed. To be lost in the Bible means to be headed for actually destruction. And so Satan wants us to be lost because he knows that it will lead to destruction. For the lost sheep, it meant open to pray. 
For the lost son, it meant wrong choices that ruined his life. For both, it actually meant death. For the woman, it meant the loss of her life savings. So to be lost literally means to be destitute, Jesus said. I came, not for the people who had it all together, I came for the destitute. I came for the destitute. See, these three stories are all about urgency. These three stories are all about urgency. Jesus said there's an urgency to the lostness of this thing. I, I, want you to, I want you to see the heartbeat of God here. There was an urgency of God to seek and save that which was lost. There's a, there, there was an urgency because, because death was at stake here. Separation from God was at stake here. So there's an urgency that needed to be solved. It, it, it's, it's not something that we should say, oh, well. See, if a child wanders off, a parent drops everything to find them, unless you're in two guys, then you're there forever. No. If a child wanders off, you, you, you're, your first response is to drop everything to find them. Jesus wants you to have a heart of urgency. There was a, there was a story of a little boy who wandered off in a, in a store and the parents couldn't find him. And the, you know, obviously this is the parents' worst nightmare. Was he taken? Then over the loudspeaker, the manager of the store called the parents to come to the store office and they walked to the door. The little boy was sitting at the manager's desk with his feet propped up on the desk, sipping on a Coke and, a, and eating a Snickers bar. It's the best day of his life. Shopping usually was a drag. No, I don't want to go. Please don't make me go shopping. Right? So he's sitting in the manager's office, feet propped up, sipping on a Coke, eating a Snickers bar. And the parents, when they see their son, they began to cry and cry. And they look at their parents. We found you. And then the son saw how upset the parents were. He began to cry. Just moments early, he was fine until he saw the urgency in the parents' face. He began to cry. And the reason is he had no idea he was lost until he was found. He had no idea he was lost until he was found. This is my story. See, when I was younger, I was, I was brought up in church. We went every Sunday. I went to Sunday school. I heard the message of Jesus. I heard the message of what Jesus did for me. I heard the message on many occasions. I heard people share their story, how Christ changed their lives and, and how Jesus died for my sins. I heard all these stories, but there was a problem with me. I didn't realize I was lost. See, I didn't realize I needed to be found. I thought, well, I'm all right. I don't have any problems. I'm just doing okay. And I thought the message of Christ was for other people who had real problems, not like me. When I finally realized I was lost, that is when everything changed. I understood the grace by which Christ saved me. And I understood his sacrifice was actually for my sins, that I was actually lost. This is the reason why Jesus came. Jesus just didn't come for bad people. He came for all people. We all fell short of God's perfection. We all are lost. We all need a savior. It's not just for a certain few. It's not just for people who think they need help. We all need help. We're all messed up. We're all jacked up. We all have got issues. We all got problems. No matter how we hide them. 
And over and over and over again, we see people that put on this front. They make their life seem so great and so wonderful. But underneath the surface, they're hurting and they're lost. And they immerse themselves in their careers, their jobs, what they wear, where they live, what kind of car they drive. And they think, these are the things that make me successful. These are the things that bring me value. But at the end of the day, it doesn't bring the satisfaction that they thought that it would. So we were, and, and see, then when I would sing, because we, we would sing the song Amazing Grace, right? When I was younger, we'd sing it all the time. And I'd think, oh, Amazing Grace, how sweet this. No, I used to love it. But all of a sudden, when I realized I was lost, all of a sudden, the words, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. That song took on a whole new meaning. See, when I'm found, it actually changes the direction of my life. When I am found, it changes the direction of my life. And what it ends up doing is it actually gives me a new mission. It actually gives me a new mission. You see, the one sheep was important. The one coin was important. The one son was important. Do you realize that your life is important to Christ? Jesus came to give his life for the world. He came for you. He loves you. You see the importance of not just casting away this one thing because it's not important to Christ. They're all important. So he's willing to leave the 99 to go seek out this one thing. And so what is Jesus saying in all three of these stories? The man that left the 99 sheep to find the one didn't say, Oh, well, I have 99 others. The woman, even though she had nine other coins, looked diligently for the one that she lost. She didn't say, oh, well, I have nine others. It's interesting. In my studies, I never knew this before. Some scholars believe that the ten silver coins refer to a piece of jewelry with ten silver coins on it worn by brides. This was equivalent to a wedding ring in modern day times. So if this were the case, it would be priceless to the woman and she would do everything to find it. The father didn't give up thinking about his son that had left him. In fact, the son, when he came back, the father saw him first and came to him, which shows that he never gave up. On his son. Isn't that wonderful? God never gives up on you. He is relentless in his pursuit for you. He will hound you and hound you. I love that about God. He doesn't give up on us. See, that's my mission. My mission in life is to rescue others. I don't know if any of you had a time in your life where you had to depend on a first responder to help you in a situation. Maybe it was a car accident. Maybe it was something at your house, whatever it is. I'm so thankful for medical workers, emergency workers, first responders, EMT workers. Why? Because they're there to save a life. Aren't they wonderful? Thank God. Thank, thank God for them. Um, um, Colby, when he was about seven, was looking for a container to put frogs in. And what he didn't realize, he went to a container where there was chlorine for the pool. So he opened up the container and he got a big woof of 
chlorine, which caused him to cough a lot. And so, of course, we weren't there of all the times. My parents were watching them. And so uh, my parents did the right thing called 911. And um, they came. The first responder was a woman who came with oxygen within like five minutes, had Colby on oxygen. He was fine, by the way. He's still with us today. As you know, he's fine. Um, ambulance came. Colby got to ride to RGH in an ambulance. They kept him overnight. He got to watch video games and eat the most wonderful food that he ever thought he ever had in his whole life. So he had a great time. He was fine. Um, but I am so thankful for that first EMT worker who came. She was amazing and knew exactly what to do. And as a parent, how many of you say, thank God for that, right? Because you're freaking out, is it right? You don't know what to, you know, you don't know what to do. And, and they're trained to do this. There's an urgency there, isn't there? there there's an urgency why? Because there's a life that's at stake. See, that's what we're called to do. We're, we're, we're called to do as, as our mission is to lead people to the lifesaver Jesus. And I, I think it's easy for us to forget there, there are lost people all around us who need to be found. And so what Jesus does is he relates each one of these stories to sinners who were lost and are now found. So this is what he does. Jesus relates each one of these stories to sinners who were lost and are now found. So the definition of found is someone who has repented and who has come to God for forgiveness. That's at the jux of the story. But what's interesting about each one of these situations is at the end of each of these stories, it ends with a party. It actually ends with a party. See, for the owner of the sheep, he invites his friends and neighbors over to have a party for the woman. She invites her friends and neighbors over to have a party for the dad of the lost son. He has a huge party. He has, he kills the fattened calf. He has karaoke. It's just, he, he does the works. See, what's the point of each, each of these three stories. God is joyful. God is exuberant. He's ecstatic. There is a party in heaven when a sinner comes home. Isn't that amazing? See, well, if I'm not, if I'm not thrilled, listen, church, follow me, church. If we're not thrilled about someone who is lost that has come home, we've lost our passion for Christ. It, if, 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 if our heart becomes soured or becomes encrusted about lost people are not really caring. We lost our passion for Christ and his mission. We've got to change our mindset and thinking, what is my mission? Why am I kind of lackadaisical in my walk with Christ? Where is the passion gone? And I'll tell you where it's gone is it's gone because we've lost our passion for lost people. And we've got to ask ourselves, is that part of my dear daily prayer regiment that I'm praying for my family and lost people? God, keep that fire in my belly that this is my mission. My mission is not my job. My mission is not ultimately being a parent, all those things. My mission is to be a follower of you, to be your hands extended into this world, to lead people back home. God, give me that passion in my life. Have you lost that passion? I, believe me, all of us can get into that realm where we get caught in a rut in our Christian walk. Where is, is this all it is where I just read my Bible? 
And I go to church. Is that all it is? And I can tell you right now that if that's all it is for you and you sense your life becoming kind of dull and mundane, it's because you lost your passion for lost people. There is nothing more exciting to me when I see someone come to Christ and I see their life change. We had a couple people last month that have just made a commitment to Jesus Christ. And there's a couple people that are just fired up. Like, Pastor, what else are we doing this week? Where else can I go? What else can I do? And you just see the fire. And I'm like, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a breath of fresh air to me to remind myself, this is why we exist as a church for lost people. That was a great spot for an amen. That's okay. That's okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody's with me. Okay. So, so let's, let's remember. Here's, here's, here's why the party is such a cool party. It's because that's the heartbeat of God. The heartbeat of God is not just to sit there and point and condemn and say, look how bad the world is. The purpose of God is to go down into our world. To reach the loss where they're at. And to show them how much God loves them and what Christ has done for them. And then when they come in, we should be rejoicing. We should be happy. This is my mission. And I, let me tell you this. When, when your mission becomes about lost people and praying for them and beginning to see your job as your mission field and your family as your mission field, it will light a fire in your belly. It will change. It'll change the way you look at your life and your world and your job because now you realize this is my mission. We all have the same mission. So for the owner of the, of the sheep and he brings his friend over for the woman, for the dad, it's this wonderful party. See, God is relentless in his pursuit of us. That's what I want you to see. In these three stories, God is relentless in his pursuit of us. So what Jesus is telling us is that our ambition should be the same. We, we have a community all around us who needs to be found. We need to be those first responders. And so what Jesus was doing in these stories is we, he was directing these stories towards the self-righteous, the, the, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, those that thought they had it all together, those that thought they followed God's laws perfectly. And they did on the outside. They looked very religious on the outside, but in the inside, their hearts were far from God. And what they did is they saw sinners differently than the way Jesus saw sinners. They saw sinners as someone to be condemned. Jesus saw sinners as someone who needed to be found. The first attitude is uncaring, judgmental. The second is compassionate and sympathetic. So here's a great test for you. When you look at the world, when you look at your neighbors, when you look at people you work with, when you look at your family or extended family, what do you see? What you see will make all the difference and what you do about it. Are you hearing me church? I'm talking. I'm talking to me. That makes all the, because if I see the world as something to be condemned, I've missed the whole reason why Jesus came. Jesus came for lost people. What a beautiful picture of God's grace towards us in these three stories. 
I saw a video not too long ago. It really spoke to my heart. Um, it was at a dinner. It, it, it was at a dinner before the Kentucky Derby a couple years ago. And this it, it dinner is for Christians, but it, it, it honors people in it, 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 that follow the Lord and, and, and have a testimony for Christ. But in this dinner, they honored um, Pat Day. And I don't know if you guys know who Pat Day is, uh, but this dinner was called Grace at the Race. And Pat Day, if you don't know who Pat Day is, he is the all-time leading rider at Churchill Downs. He has over 8,800 career wins. But the thing about Pat Day is how he came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He has an incredible testimony. You can YouTube it and look at it later. But what Pat Day shared, just for a quick couple seconds, as he received this award at, at this dinner before, before the Kentucky Derby called Grace at the Race, just really spoke to my heart, and I want to show it to you now. Go ahead and look at the screens. Let me just share a little story with you. Maybe that will encourage you to do your part. It's a story about a starfish. Many of you probably heard it. Guy's jogging down the beach one morning. Early in the morning, sun's coming up. And down the way there, he sees a gentleman doing this number. And as he run, gets up a little closer to him, it's pretty obvious this elderly gentleman is throwing starfish back into the ocean. Now, the jogger asks a real profound question when he gets up to him. He says, what are you doing? And the elderly gentleman stops and he looks at him and he says, well, son, the tide's gone out. The sun's coming up. If these starfish don't get back into the ocean, they're going to die. And the jogger looks up the beach, down the beach, thousands of starfish. He kind of scoffs at the old man and he said, what difference do you think you're going to make? The old man just shakes his head. He bends over and he picks up a starfish. He looks at the starfish and he looks at the jogger and he said, it makes a difference to this one. And he throwed him back into the ocean. We're not called to save the world, but we're called to be a positive influence in our sphere of influence, okay? You know, the whole world is plumb full of only two groups of people, two groups. You're either saved by the blood of the lamb or you're lost. You don't have to go to a third world country to do mission work. Believing everybody is one of these two groups, every man, woman, and child that you come in contact is either a member of the body of Christ and deserves to be encouraged, or they're a lost individual that deserves and needs to hear about the love of God. John 3.16 simply says, For God, Almighty God, the creator of all of heaven and all of earth, so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. You know, I'm not going to be so naive as to realize in, in our group here today, there are two. There, there, there are two groups. There are those of you that have come to Christ and you're depending on him and you've, you've admitted that you are lost. And by admitting that you were lost, you said, I need to come back. And the reason I'm lost is because my sin has separated me from you, God. And 
the way we restore that relationship is through repentance. And repentance is not simply just saying, I'm sorry for my sins. Repentance is a change of mind. I used to think this way, but now I'm going to follow you, Christ. I'm going to be obedient to you. And there's some of you in this room that haven't, I mean, being a Christian is not simply going to church. It's not simply just, oh, I, I do Christian things. Have you put your faith in Christ Jesus? So I'm not going to be so naive as to say everybody in this room is found. And so that's a, that's a choice that you have to make to recognize that you're lost so that Christ can do the work in your heart and life that you might be found. And so some of you, you're looking for things in this world to give you significance and you haven't found it yet and you will never find it until you come to Christ. That's the reason why he came. He left the glories of heaven to seek you out. And he's not going to stop. That's the loving pursuit of our heavenly father that he never gives up on us. The other group of you that I want to speak to today is those of you that lost your passion for the lost. That maybe you're here today and you're like, you know, pastor, I, I've just kind of lost my passion for, for the loss. Am, am, am I, you know, my heart's kind of waxed cold a little bit. And I, I've just, I want to pray for you today that God would reinvigorate your passion for lost people. That I know for me, it's so easy to get in our life. We go from point A to point B because we have all these things we have to do in our lives. I got to do this. I got to do that. So I got to go to point A to point B. And then all the, meanwhile, there are people all around us that God could be pricking our heart a little bit to say, what about this person? What about, what about this person? And, um, and that maybe God is calling you to share with them, allowing your heart to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life to reach out to other people. And listen, you don't have to be a theologian to do this. You just have to be available. God, I want to be available. So as you wake up in the morning, you just say, God, make me available to whoever I come in contact with today, that if they need to hear your wonderful story, let me be available to just be caring to people and not judgmental, but caring, not critical, but sympathetic. So God, reinvigorate me, light the fire in my heart again. So I want to, I want to pray for you today. I want, let's just bow our hearts today. Let's just bow our hearts and ask the Lord just to, just to help us to, just to, how many, how many of you just by the right hand say, pastor, that spoke to me. That that's, I need to hear this today. How many just good. I, listen, I, I want this, the word to, just to be implanted in your hearts and your life today so that so that it, it changes us to get us back on course again. So Lord, I just, first of all, I pray for those who are lost today in this room. And I thank you, Lord, that our confession in you and our belief in you is what saves us. It's not our good works. It's not how long we've gone to church. It's our faith in Christ Jesus that saves us. That if if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God rose Jesus from the grave, the Bible says we will be saved. So, Lord, I pray for all of those here today that are lost. Thank you that it's through our faith in Christ Jesus that we can be found again, which changes our lives from destruction 
and a life that's headed towards eternal separation and damnation from God to a life that's headed to a party, to life everlasting with Jesus Christ. For those, I pray that they would just fall on their face before you and just say, Jesus, come into my life and I confess you as Lord and Savior. So touch every heart here today with that. I pray for the second group here today that maybe has lost their passion. Maybe their walk with you is, has just um, uh, waxed cold and, and they've lost their passion for lost people. I pray that you would invigorate us again through your Holy Spirit to continue never to give up on our family, our coworkers, those that are around us, those people you place in our lives each and every day. Light the fire in our hearts again for the lost. That's why we exist as a church. We exist for those who have not yet belonged. I pray that we would never lose that passion. So reignite that in our hearts again, God. Take us out of our mundane lives of just serving ourselves to realize, and you've placed us on here to serve others and to reach others with your powerful message, Jesus. So I thank you, Lord, for changing our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.